Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Well, this Sunday... We continue our journey through the book of Judges, and we take on one of the oldest and still most Googled questions of all time. Does size matter? Is bigger actually better? We started with Ehud, the left-handed assassin, then Jael seizing the day with a tent stake and a hammer. Last week, we were, the Sunday school reminded us, we, we were introduced to Gideon. Right, who responded to God's call on his life with, with all due respect, who are you? Followed by a, with all due respect, but who am I? Then he asked for a sign, a sign from God that everything was going to be okay. Then he asked for another sign to be extra sure that things would be fine. And then he asked for that same sign to be done in reverse so that he would be absolutely certain that God was on his side. And so that's where we are. He got his sign, he got his second sign, then he got his third sign, and now God gets to have a turn. He has a little bit of fun testing Gideon. So Gideon calls upon every last person he could to join him in a battle as he prepares to take on the Midianite army. According to the text, Gideon was able to, to rally up 32,000 soldiers, whereas the Midianites had 135,000. Together, let's read from Judges 7, starting in verse 1. Then Gideon and all of the people who, who were with him rose early and set up camp beside the Herod Spring. Midian's camp was north of theirs in the valley by Mora Hill. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many people on your side. If I were to hand Midian over to them, the Israelites might claim credit for themselves rather than for me, thinking we saved ourselves. So now announce in the people's hearing, anyone who is afraid or unsteady may return home from Gideon's mountain. At this, 22,000 people went home, and 10,000 were left. That doesn't feel good. Right, Gideon gives them a chance to go home, and two-thirds leave. He was already outnumbered four to one. Now it's 10 to one. Let's keep reading. The Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many people. Take them down to the water, and I will weed them out there for you. Whenever I tell you this one will go with you, he should go with you. But whenever I tell you this one won't go with you, he should not go. So he took the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Set aside those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who bend down on their knees to drink. The number of the men who lapped was 300, and all the rest of the people bent down on their knees to drink water with their hands to their mouth. 
Then the Lord said to Gideon, with 300 men who lapped, I will rescue you and hand over the Midianites to you. Let everyone else go home. So the people gathered their supplies and trumpets and Gideon sent all the Israelites home, but kept the 300. How many of you have seen the movie 300? It's gotta be a couple. It's a graphic retelling, thank you. Right, of King Leonidas taking on the entire Persian Empire with 300 Spartans at the Battle of Thermopylae. It's gotta be one of the the most well-known battles from the ancient world. It's a classic, but far before Leonidas, we have Gideon and the original 300. Now let's pause for a second and talk about what's happening here. All right, Gideon was skeptical last week. As we said, he wasn't sure whether God had what it would take to conquer Midian. He definitely wasn't sure if he had what it would take, and you can hardly blame him. After sounding the alarm, drawing from multiple tribes in Israel, he's still vastly outnumbered. Gideon starts with four to one odds, and God says, make your army smaller. 22,000 soldiers go home, and now Gideon is stuck with 10 to 1 odds. Again, God says, make your army smaller. 300 men lap up water like dogs, and God says, that's your army. 400 to 1 odds, that's all I need. Now to put those odds in perspective, the Bills are playing the Bears. I love that we got some Buffalo folk here. The Bills are playing the Bears in Chicago on Christmas Eve, which means we're going to have to cancel the services. <laughs> Just kidding. Sure, we can find a guest preacher. But seriously, the Bills are playing the Bears in Chicago Christmas Eve, and Vegas has already released the odds. To no one's surprise, the Bills are currently favored at 100 to 1 odds. That's really not good, right? That's like the second worst odds of any game all season. Not good. And I'm not trying to rub it in here. I'm just trying to help us wrap our minds around these numbers. So Gideon and his army are four times less likely to beat the Midianites than the Bears are to beat the Bills at home Christmas Eve. That's saying something. According to traditional wisdom and common sense, Gideon's not coming home from this battle. And yet God's doing it on purpose, right? God is the one stacking the odds against Israel. And did you catch the reason why? Did you catch God's motivation, uh, what it was to shrink the size of Gideon's army? It was in verse two. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many people on your side. If I were to hand Midian over to you, the Israelites might claim credit for themselves rather than for me, thinking we saved ourselves. And I want to spend the rest of the sermon on on that concept. Each week we've been bumping into this macro narrative and we've called it the cycle of the judges. The way the cycle works is the people do evil in the eyes of the Lord. God gets angry and the people are conquered by a foreign nation. 
And the people cry out to God for help. God raises up a judge and rescues them. And then eventually the people begin doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. It's a cycle that keeps repeating itself. And we can, we can boil it down to two moves as we read today. When life becomes comfortable, the people move away from God. When life becomes hard, they cry out to God. Truthfully, it's a pretty standard move in the world. And when it happens a time or two, it's like, whatever. When it happens over and over and over and then over, it becomes a trend, a character trait, a a cycle that gets passed on to the next generation. It's as if life without struggle produces a sense of, of arrogance and false independence in the Israelites. And so this time God says, I'll rescue them, but at four to one odds, they'll think they did it. Even at 10 to one odds, they still might try to take credit. So let's stack this thing against them at 400 to one odds and maybe, just maybe, they'll get the point. Now, while we're likely to never find ourselves preparing for battle like Gideon and his 300 soldiers, if we let it, I do believe this story can speak a profound truth into our modern way of life. Trigger warning, I'm not gonna hold back too much in this section. While we might not be tempted to take credit for defeating the Midianites, are we ever tempted to take credit for our position in the world? forgetting the gift that this life is and, and the many external things that contribute to our privilege? Is it possible that, that life could become too easy? That the odds could be too far in our favor? Beginning to create a, a false sense of strength, of independence, causing us to forget about God, forget about the source Forget about the rest of the world around us. And I know it's a big question to ask, especially one that's hard to ask of ourselves, but is it possible that life has become too easy? When everything we could need is two days shipping away and everything we own is is fully insured, is there much need for, for trust? and faith in anything outside of ourselves. Right, my, my truck got dinged up in the hailstorm on Monday. And instead of being afraid for my family, livestock, possessions, I simply checked my deductible on my phone and fell back asleep. Is it possible that life's become too easy? Is it possible that our self-reliance makes reliance on God seem silly? Is it possible that our illusions of mastery make divine mystery obsolete? Is it possible that our, our, our need to be in control of life keeps us from experiencing the more to life than meets the eye? And this isn't me suggesting that we don't still have challenges and problems. We have all faced real problems throughout our life. It's just that if we're honest, many of our problems aren't 
real problems, right? So much so that we had to come up with a new name for them. They are not real problems, they're first world problems. They're white person problems. And we find humor in how insignificant our problems are at times. And the problem with having so few real problems is that we're tempted to take credit for our lack of problems. And we begin to lose the ability to handle the real problems of life when they occur. We begin to develop worries and anxieties about things that they really shouldn't even register in our bodies to the extent that they do. Most of us will never experience 400 to 1 odds or even 10 to 1 odds stacked against us. Right? Thanks to our position in the world and, and our many layers of privilege, most of us, myself included, walk through life with the odds stacked so far in our favor that we simply expect everything to turn out. Right? We're, we're shocked when, when it doesn't. I think something happens in a society when life becomes so comfortable and controllable that God's no longer a source or presence that we need to rely on, but instead a consumable convenience to make us feel even a, a little bit better. I guess we should read the the end of Gideon's story. So let's jump back in. Verse 16. Gideon divided the 300 men into three units and equipped every man with a trumpet, an empty jar, and with a torch inside each jar. Now watch me, he ordered, and do what I do. When I get to the outpost of the camp, just do what I do. When I blow the trumpet along with all who are with me, then you blow the trumpets all of you surrounding the whole camp, and then shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and 100 of his men moved to the outpost of the camp at the middle watch of the night when they had just changed guards. Then they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. So the three units blew their trumpets and broke their jars, holding the torches with their left hand and blowing the trumpets in their right. They called out, a sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. Each man stood fast in his position around the camp, and the entire camp took off running, shouting and fleeing. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord turned the swords of fellow soldiers against each other throughout the whole camp. So as dark as it sounds, the the gospel lesson in today's story The good news of Gideon and his army is that with God, bigger's not often, it's not always better. And that it's often in our our struggle that we learn, that we grow, that we become even more connected with the divine. So if you're not feeling very big right now, You feel like the odds are stacked against you. Safety, security, peace, and joy just just feel a little out of reach. Know that God sees you, is drawn to you, is more than capable of balancing out the odds and helping you become aware of the strength that's already inside you. 
Beggars not always better. In fact, the opposite is often true with God. If you're feeling pretty big, maybe you're aware that your world has become a little too big, too comfortable, a little too easy. Well, like Gideon, Gideon, you, me, we, might want to consider paring things back a bit. I'm not saying that we should go looking for pain and suffering or we should feel guilty about the fruit of our hard work. It's simply worth remembering that bigger is not always better and and sometimes when we get used to everything being better, it causes us to forget about God, right? And to take credit for the, the many gifts that we've received. At the very least, we we might want to make the walls of our life a little more permeable so that we don't lose sight of the odds that, that the rest of the world faces. Shine people, places, situations, or causes that have the odds stacked against them and, and look for ways to balance things out. Not as another feather in our cap, but as a way of, of responding to all we have. As a way of, of breaking the cycle, so to speak. And so the gospel lesson in today's story, the good news of Gideon and his army, it's a reminder that bigger's not always better. That size doesn't matter. In fact, with, with God, the opposite's always true. We hear this in the ancient stories. We hear this in the words of Jesus. Right, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Last week we were reminded that we can do big things. We can do hard things. And this week's reminder is that sometimes hard things are good for us. Because when life becomes too easy, we might be tempted to take credit for it. Let us fight the temptation to control, to dominate, to rely on our own strength and position, and let us move towards a place of trust. A trust that that every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from the one who defies the odds, the one who raises up the lowly, the one who is the ultimate source of it all. Truly, bigger is not always better. In fact, with God, the opposite's often true. Amen.